fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. You're different. Now don't let anyone tell you that you have nothing to offer. Second chances don't come around all that often. I suggest you take a really close look at it. Welcome to the Marvelverse podcast, across the airways podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel's Age of Shield, and Marvel's Netflix shows. I'm Nikki Amy, your hostess, and joining me today are some fellows that have come together to talk about this week, Marvel's Agents of Shield. Introduce yourselves, guys. Hello, I am Cookie Monster. Om nom nom nom. And I'm Wuiz Kim. Word to the wise: never play gotcha nose with the Hulk. And I'm Steve Nostro. Uh, I don't have pretty much anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were. I wish you the politicians of the United States would follow your good advice. Yeah. So before we get into this week's Marvel's HL, we have a little bit of Marvel news for you. Uh, so this week, we got a little teaser on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and maybe a little bit of a reference to the original Hellblazer. I'm not sorry, not Hellblazer. The original Ghost Rider Johnny, Johnny Blaze. Uh-huh. That name, that name just, just totally made my head spin. <laughs> so some of you might have noticed, I know I caught, picked up on it really early, very beginning of the episode, as we're watching Lucy and Joe uh, dig into somebody's basement. There were a certain poster on the wall. Did we notice that? I didn't even know that I was supposed to look for it, so I didn't notice it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't either. But there was something about that poster on the wall, and it was for the Quentin Carnival. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, that's right. right. So, where did Johnny Blaze work? The Quentin, <laughs> the Quentin Carnival. So, are we going to finally tie in the original Ghost Rider to the new Ghost Rider? So that was. It wouldn't that surprise was... me because they kind of did that with the. They kind of. Well, they, yeah, they definitely had to tie that in. I mean, it followed definitely with the Scott Lang uh, storyline of Ant-Man. So it's possible that maybe we're going to get more, a little more connection to Johnny, or maybe that was just a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to those of us who are fans of the comic, uh, though not a fan of the film, of, the, of, of Ghost Rider. Just cast, uh, just cast Andy Samberg as Nicolas Cage as Ghost Rider. I think I would watch that, actually. Yeah. So they'd be very entertaining to watch. Basically, uh, in the comic, Johnny Blaze was born and raised in the Quentin Carnival, and it was a traveling carnival, and that's where he became a stunt driver, a stunt motorcycle rider. So, and that's where he struck the deal with Mephisto, and then eventually he returned several times there during his period of, uh, uh, as the Spirit of Vengeance. So it's a nice little thing. And there was also another Johnny Blaze uh, hint dropped in, there, in that storage unit or that uh, basement. There was a leather jacket, a motorcycle, and some helmets. Uh, so we don't, you know, there's no proof that Johnny ever possessed the Darkhold, though I would have to defer to our Darkhold expert on that, Steve. Uh, this is a uh, hint. I don't think he ever did. Yeah, in my research, I, he, he didn't. But this could be them trying to tie the Ghost Rider to the story in a little more solid way. Well, 
I mean, isn't it fair to say after almost, God, I can't believe it's been eight years already, but eight years of the MCU, they're kind of building their own canon themselves. It's yeah. very true. So we never know uh, what we're going to be getting. And I actually really like the idea of them creating their own mythos. I mean, it's uh, been eight years already. I think it's time we to can't, be... We can't be beholden entirely to, to the comics because then we'd have David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury again. And nobody needs that. Or or the most blatant one, of course, Hank, like Tony Stark was not the original creator of all. That's true. It was Hank Pym. So, but it made more sense in that storyline to make it. And it the one thing that Marvel has done, and I will say this, they've made everything work out. Yeah. Even though some of us are going, but Hank created Ultron because we're that nerdy. Um, I, I was like, wow, they really blended those two creation myths together really beautifully and made it totally plausible and believable. So, and it's a uh, bad tip story. It, it really isn't. But, you know, for those of us who are like really obsessive compulsive, like myself, um, <laughs> it actually made, it was like, oh, okay, I feel better. Okay, they did it right. They did they did a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, in other Marvel news, Jessica Jones uh, season two has uh, already started their director searches, except their directors are going to be a little different from the first season in that they are all going to be women. And I wanted your take on this, Nikki, because unlike uh, unlike some former hosts that claim to have a female perspective, uh, <laughs> I, I, I am I am not... See, I don't have a horse in this race because obviously I'm a man, so I'm going to feel differently than somebody that is a woman. So I want to give Nikki this space to give her opinions. What did you your views on this? Okay, uh, this is going to be pretty brief. It's something I've been thinking about since the news broke. Um, And I think they're doing this for many reasons. And I, th- I think, one, a response to the success of Luke Cage being directed by all African-Americans. Actually, which, it was. Uh, which one wasn't? Uh, the first two, I think Paul McGuigan is Irish. He's not black. Oh, that's right. I, I totally... <laughs> I totally forgot that because I was so wrapped up in watching Luke Cage oh, um, wrapped up. Nice. that I didn't pay attention to most of the directors. I was only going based on the um, Comic-Con panel. So thank you. I'm sorry. Paul McGuigan's Scottish. He would get mad at me if I said he was Irish, so he's Scottish. Yeah. So. As, as I'm both, I'm fine. <laughs> um, um, so, but the majority of the directors on Luke Cage are African-American, and I think that helped it keep its voice. So I think the first two episodes now remembering that they were directed by someone who was an African-American were beautiful and impactful um, as well. Um, my biggest concern uh, for an all-female director cast is that they're doing this not because they found some really amazing female directors, which do exist out there and are not given their due uh, in mainstream media, but I'm worried that this is just kind of a gimmick. And I don't, I don't as much as I want all female directors for Jessica Jones, because I, I want them to be the right directors for Jessica Jones. And at this point, I really don't care if they're all women. I want the best director and if the best director is a woman go for it if it's between two equally talented directors one who's female one who's male yeah give it to the female um, I don't want this to become a gimmick I don't want it to be it's a show where the protagonist is a female so we have to have a female director I want the best choice rather than the female choice there are directors who are male who direct women beautifully Joss Whedon Joss Whedon is one of one of them um, if you uh, ask the like really radical feminists online especially in the Marvel community, you would think you would uh, get a very different response to that. <laughs> well, see, and to Nikki's point, I think what she's getting at is I hate this kind of, like, Tumblr pressure or Twitter pressure. It's like, we need to put diversity in for diversity's sake because, you know, like a wider range of people. And I understand what I'm saying, but to, to do it, just do it. Like, it's not always a good thing. Fan forced it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is my only concern with having an all-female director. I am all 100% for it. I'm 100% for diversity in casting. If a character doesn't have to be intrinsically a certain race, 
place. Open it up. Make it unique. Make it more like what the world looks like. That's why I was so upset with the with the the last race bender was <laughs> these are characters that if you watch the animated series are Asian. You cannot make white people look Asian. We haven't done that since the sixties. Flower <laughs> drum song, anyone? David Car- I mean, David Carradine, God rest his soul, but he made an entire career off of that. When you have incredibly talented people of every gender, every race, every ethnicity, and you don't, and you only cast white people because you think you should. If you have a character that it, where it's not important as to, they have to be white because of A, B, C, D, cast someone Hispanic. Cast yeah. a Latino. Cast a woman, even, in a, a role that would typically be played by a man. I want us to play with diversity. I want us to re- art to reflect the world. And our world is incredibly diverse. Our nation is one of the most diverse in the world, if not the most diverse in the world. Yeah. To have an all-female director crew is a fantastic idea if you found 13 female directors or six who if they're going to double up or triple up who you know are going to knock it out of the park because they are the best voice for that episode or for that series I am 100% for it do it empower more women to get out there to become directors because I don't think it's encouraged enough in women and young girls it was not encouraged for me when I went to film classes I was told oh you could be like a script editor or a continuity expert or this or this but I was not even encouraged to direct not that I would want to but it was like when my ballet teacher told me I was never going to be a ballerina I was like well no shit I'm four foot ten and I've already a double D I don't think I'm going to maintain my balance enough <laughs> on point to be a ballerina it wasn't something I aspired to be anyway it was just something I had fun doing but that immediately took the fun out of it yeah okay I stopped ballet for after eight years because I was told I was never going to be a ballerina I was like well okay so you basically tell me there's no point in even coming to class but when girls are encouraged and women are encouraged to do something creatively and to go and use their voice like Ava DuVernay did with Selma that I want that I want I want her directing an episode of that I want you know Catherine um, Footlock, Big, Footlocker Bigelow. Bigelow. Bigelow I want Catherine Bigelow to shove it in James Cameron's face and go look ha 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 I, I think she's already done that already because she's more oh, respected. She, <laughs> she, ha- she has when she won for her locker over his uh, avatar. We, uh, but but that's... Um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, well, I think Ava DuVernay would be a cool choice if they wanted to make a Misty Night, Night series for sure. Well, and they, her name was bandied about for the Black Panther movie. Right, right but she like wanted movies. more independence over the film. and the Right, and Marvel, Marvel, so. doesn't, Marvel doesn't give that kind of independence. And even no. Thor 2, uh, The Dark World, initially was going to be directed by a woman. But she... right. And I think rightly so, based on the deal they offered her, wanted the more independent. Uh, and Perlmutter is, is not an exact thing. I think, right. so, I, th- I think Feige would be more, like, you know, hands off. It, it really just depends. But like I said, my point is, if this if this is for genuine artistic choice reasons, like these are, they found the directors they want, and they're the best of their kind, the best of the breed, I'm all 100% for it. If it's just a gimmick, give me just the best directors you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but I need to, but I I need to play on the flip side because that's just basically who I am. I do like the like that Marvel and Disney is like promoting this just because it's gonna open the door to other cops saying, you know, we should give give women more chances to direct. Like, Absolutely. Things. If it, if this spurs changes in the industry, even if it's just like, yeah, we're doing this as a get, we're doing this to get publicity. If it spurs change, then it done it. Then it made it point. Yeah, because love or love or hate Disney, and I love Disney. I love Disney. They're usually they're usually like the front runners still. Uh, 
lot of the things that will become like standard in the industry. Just look at these interconnected universes. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, okay, so Jimmy, yes. next news. Um, Logan. And, uh, the Logan trailer, gentlemen, you want to discuss? I have not watched it yet. It's um, set to hurt by Johnny Cash, and I think it actually like it actually looks decent for for once. But here's the, well, like, here, here's well, the, the Wolverine was was pretty good movie, but yeah, yeah. the third the third act was a complete garbage. But everything oh, everything before yeah. that, like you know, after the thing with the arrows, like the the movie just fell apart before that. Yeah, and this is the same director, but I hope like I um and I feel like it could be like the the structure of the trailer like looks like it could be only stuff from the first two acts. So I hope the third act is okay. But I'm just worried like um how Mr. Sinister is gonna factor into this because I feel like he'd be a really weird villain for this last uh, installment of um. Well, it's not even clear that that's gonna be the villain. Like they have not. Yeah. Even, there's no press for that. Said. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to bash on Fox, but they're not Marvel. I would clearly. Yeah. That would be wait. That would be a waste of Mr. Sinister anyway. Yeah. I, I agree. But, um, I, I've heard super. Actually, no, because they, well, they confirmed that Mr. Sinister is going to make his first on-screen appearance here, so he's either the main villain or he's um uh like someone who's going to be background for something that comes later. But that's that's kind of what I expected when they said his first appearance was like they're introducing him here. Um, but as I didn't see the trailer, I, and apparently he's not mentioned in it. I really hope they give if he is just background that they give him more respect than they gave Viper oh, yeah. in oh, the Wolverine. Yeah, Even um, though I, I I love that movie because. Because it kind of erased the uh, abomination that was Origins. Um, and it kind of redeemed X Men Three. It's not uh, very like um, it's entertaining, but it's not like good objectively. No. And what what the Wolverine did for me was it kind of made X Men Three kind of pass all sense. Because no, nope. no, nope. no, no, no. Let me finish, please. It made okay. it for nothing else. It made Logan's like you know his story arc, like, you know, somewhat believable. Yeah, kind of, yeah. In that respect, yes. I just yeah. Um, I'm not saying X Men Three is. A good move, but for the pur- <laughs> for the purposes of Logan's story, it did serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, it it had moments. I am a deeply deeply uh disgusted by that director and everything he's ever oh, done. Oh, I'm not so. talking about X Men Three. I'm talking about the Wolverine. Oh, the Wolverine. Yeah, that, but that part in X Men Three with Gene, it makes Logan's story in the Wolverine. It does. I yeah, it does. And now you know that pretty much with and our that's new pretty much it. Everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think um I really hope Logan is actually good because I mean the trailer like almost brought me to tears. So I hope that the movie does the same thing yeah. in a good way and, so, and I, I think Hugh Jackman deserves it so. and I think much, he deserves to go out on top yeah. and in a lot of Marvel films this Marvel films in general is packed like fashion um Logan is not exactly old man Logan because obviously they can't use Red Skull or Hawkeye or anything like or that or any of the other like non-X-Men characters yeah yeah but what I liked about this trailer just the trailer itself it didn't look like a superhero movie at all no it looked like it looks like a western it looked like a western it also look like what what happens after the end of the world what yeah. happens after armageddon and i like that um, i like yeah. that, that this uh, could be the end of the singer x-men and possibly could get it with this no not gonna happen well no 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 i'm just saying if, it would be lovely but it would it, be lovely but but did we kind of see like like kind of like the end of an era with this trailer yeah and um i saw like um a couple of uh another podcast group named dismahawk they uh did their own like little analysis of this uh, trailer and like they um compared it to like three movies like it's um the book of eli was one of them uh the road was another one and i forget the third one but just that kind of tone of like okay. an end of the a world that's like coming to an end in the story of like one person who's like doing the 
our best to inspire some kind of hope in it. And, so. kudos, and kudos to Hugh Jackman. I mean, he's been the longest running superhero character ever. Yeah, like there's been no one else playing Wolverine. I wasn't a huge fan of his initially, but he's he's grown on me. And he's been able to make like really crappy material to decent material come up. He can say, I can't fault True. Him. Yeah, his his no matter how abysmal Origins was or how bad uh, X3 was, um, he always delivers Wolverine. Yeah. He he has become that character, I think. And like you, Woo, I mean, I was like, this guy is going to be Wolvie. This is going to be my Logan. Yeah. Uh, and then the first minute he's on screen, you are drawn to him. He has the attitude. He has the charisma. He ha he draws you in. Mm -hmm. And you totally believe that the guy who you loved as the runt in mm -hmm. the X-Men comic is now over six foot tall. And like, I, I, am, I accept this now. I accept this yeah. is canon. Wolverine think, um, is now this gorgeous tall guy. Yeah. And honestly, I think like Wolverine like kind of made Hugh Jackman's career. So oh, I mean, this, is, this movie's oh, like yeah. the movie that like gives um it's like his uh I mean he's not that old yet, but it's like a movie that's like kind of an end of an era even for his own career well, as a person. So. Well, some people have heard this story. Um, and I'm sorry, I've already heard this. But Hugh Jackman wasn't even supposed to be the no. villain from Mission Impossible Two was supposed yeah. to be the was supposed to be Wolverine, and Mission Impossible Two went too long and they had to they had to go forward with X-Men so Brian Singer literally offered the role of Wolverine to him because Hugh Jackman didn't even have an agent he had no representation. No. It was originally cast as Joe Gray Scott um, who it, like Lou said it was in Mission Impossible 2 he was also he's also was the prince if you watched Ever After the Drew Barrymore film. Um, I He physically embodies what I thought of as would be perfect for Logan because he's the shorter uh, shorter in stature and he's kind of got the the body type that Logan has more so in the comic. Um, I would have loved to have seen DeGray play Wolverine. Um, however, I can't imagine anyone else as Wolvie now. Yeah, I, I think the only way people will accept someone new is if Marvel does get the rights back. Because Marvel just has such good faith with people. And once you yeah. got that, like, you can pretty much print your money. Even it's if right. to see where they take X-23 after this movie because um, she's obviously in the movie. It's just a question of, like, where her story's gonna go now. That actress exactly. will probably get a free-form show. <laughs> so we haven't heard from Steve. Steve, what were your thoughts on the on the trailer? I was thinking the exact same thing about Book of Eli and all the the road. He looks just like that. It looked good. Um, I was a little weary at first about it, but it's the longer that I watched the trailer, the more I thought it looked really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it now because I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch it. Um, I don't want to say goodbye to Hugh because he has been such an ambassador for superhero films because of his absolute joy and love of playing this character and how much he's just like he just keeps holding on like he doesn't want to say goodbye but this has got to be his yeah. goodbye because you cannot just play this character for the rest of your life it's um it's like i know there's gonna be a point where robert downey jr is gonna not be tony stark where tom hiddleston is not gonna be loki but i don't want the, it's like I, I really don't want that to happen but and i don't think marvel is going to get x-men back anytime soon um if at all because those films are too successful for their for 20th century fox and unlike uh the fantastic four which or i do think or, which i do think they'll make a new horror because like, like what kind of money can fox and like fox has lost too many too much money yeah. on fantastic four to make it even viable and i don't know if if marvel even wants the full rights back they might just want it to reference the the characters or bring in the scrolls or yeah. something like yeah, that because school's proper because we've been burned too many times by fantastic four i don't know if anybody would even trust well, well i think um if, if marvel can like make a trailer or at least like get the movie together and then make a trailer that 
um, sort of reminds people of like The Incredibles in a way, or just that kind of tone of like a family superhero story, and like maybe make it even PG and not like as uh, violent or as scary as some of the other um, uh, superhero movies have been. Then I think they could maybe they could like bring the Fantastic Four back in a way, and ex- uh, I, and just extend the contract for X Men. Okay, you don't want to partner up with us? Give us X Men back and send the Hunt Five Fighters. But they, again, they... but again, Marvel's playing dirty, which I really <laughs> don't blame. Fox War. I mean, they've canceled the FF and book, and they've canceled the X Men. Just yeah. No, they've kept, X-Men is still going strong. Sort of. They're just rebooting the, they're rebooting it right now, I think. Right. Well, I'm so tired of comic book reboots anyway. Okay, so we're going to get right on to our last subject, which is the Deadpool director drama. And here's all I'll say about this. It doesn't really matter because Deadpool is one of the few characters that you don't need a really compelling heart-wrench story to get this. People, exactly. who love, people who love Deadpool do not love Deadpool for story. They do not love him for character relationship they just love Deadpool and Deadpool. right and right. What? what you're saying Steve sorry accusation just what Ryan Reynolds directed in the MPO or David probably do a pretty good job actually or just get, get Jet Apatow or um no 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 well it I is a what... comedy film I mean he doesn't it, no oh, it's not his yeah. it's not his feed it's not his feed at oh. all Adam, Adam McKay would do a really good Deadpool I think but again, maybe but again like I said it really doesn't matter because like direction is not like direction and story is not what made it well I mean I, that's what yeah. the, one of the things that made Deadpool such a surprise hit for people is that, that the story was actually like pretty decent you could actually like follow that along and it wasn't just Deadpool killing guys because like the fact that he had a little bit of story to him I think is what made him appeal to a more broad audience and let yeah. them break yeah. the um, box office records that they did yeah, but it, and, it, it had a passable story it had pretty much the bare bones of a plot yeah. and it worked because it was the right plot for a first movie and it was the right plot for that character, um, I think the main uh, rumor going around is that there were create there were creative differences. Tim Miller wanted it to be more stylized. He wanted it to look more like the bigger budget Marvel films, which I don't see as I personally don't see as appropriate for Deadpool. No, absolutely um, not. I, I, I think so. He wanted it to be more story driven, and I think Ryan right. just wants to keep it more like um, just focusing yeah. on the humor and focusing on the um, just the wackiness that is Deadpool. Right, and yeah. that you don't, and you, you, with that you don't need a really mm-hmm. deep story um you need a base you need a thread for deadpool to respond to you yeah. need you need his motivation and how he get there running around like a chicken with his head cut off which he has done yes. um but if you read the comics he, there's not great storyline arcs in the comics except for maybe the hawkeye and deadpool series because you don't need one like it's one of the no. rare instances where that doesn't matter spider-man needs it daredevil iron man captain america it's not why we watch there it's not why we read daredevil deadpool it's not why we watch Deadpool. No. The other, the other uh, conflict apparently was the possible casting a cable. Um, I had Stephen Lang in my head as a possible cable. If you don't know who yeah. he's, look him up. He's awesome. And apparently, he looks, uh, Tim Miller wanted uh, Kyle Chan, Kyle Candler, Kyle Chandler, however you pronounce his last name. Chandler, so. yeah. Who I loved since his first acting role on TV's Homefront way back in like the early '90s. But he is in no way cable. I love yeah. Kyle. I think he's a fantastic actor. I think he's incredibly good looking. If you saw like the King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong, he was uh, the pretty boy actor in that. If you ne- didn't see him on Friday Night Lights or anything like that, he is, is an which awesome is still actor. Very underrated. But I, I agree. Um, he is an Emmy award-winning actor. I totally adore him. He is not Cable. No. <laughs> Physically or any in any other way, he is not Cable. He, he's played bad guys, but they're like intelligent corporate kind of bad guys. He has never played a villain, and he's never played a bruiser. Be, basically, a bruiser. Exactly. It would be like when. Treat Williams 
Gilliam played Xander, uh, uh, what's his face, in the really bad Phantom movie. Well, it's oh like, well, it's like <laughs> Javier Bardem playing the lovable joke uncle. Like, yeah. who would, who would believe that? Nobody. Right. So hopefully we'll find a director for Deadpool 2 that is, uh, that is as good and as perfect for it as I think Tim Miller really was. I think he had a vision and he brought that vision to life if you watch the, uh, extras on the Deadpool DVD. Um, and how hard he worked on even the previs, uh, for that. So, so now back to the reason we are all here today. What are oh. we doing today, James? Oh, um, one, oh, one last thing. The Punisher. Yeah. The Punisher. We want to go. Oh, really cool. um, basically the they just cast more actors for it. I think is the only news really. Right? And they announced when it's going to come out. Like, I think right before the, correct? uh, <laughs> yes. It, uh, they confirmed that 2017 will be the premiere year, but there is no actual date. And yeah. they did cast, uh, about five new people, but we don't really know that much about them. And Deborah Ann Wool has confirmed that we'll, we don't yes. know what we're doing, but we'll, which is kind of nice. Which kinda yep. Well, I think they also had a great chemistry, and they were two characters who not roman- would not did not have a romantic chemistry, but a character chemistry. And I think that's always important that you not just hook people up. If you're going to have a female in the role, don't just have her be the love interest. And Karen Page has uh, nailed that kind of uh, that role. Yeah, Deborah Ann be- Wool made me like Karen Page. I've never ever done like so. so, James, what are we doing today? Well, um, beyond what we already did on this week's episode, we'll discuss episode five. Thank you for getting me a number right, Nikki, of season four of Marvel Vicks, the S.H.I.E.L.D. title Lockup. Um, wow. As Robbie Reyes struggles to control the Ghost Rider, S.H.I.E.L.D. infiltrates a high-security prison to unravel all the secrets that haunt them. So there wasn't a whole lot of different storylines going on, no. so it, uh, it made it really kind of easy to decide to think about what to talk about today, and I thought we'd start off first with Gemma's storyline. Gemma cannot tell a lie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she, she failed. Even as much as she was preparing, she failed basically right out of the gate. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to state for the record that the reason why she was sniping at Vince wasn't like wasn't so much that he lied; it was the, the, the how much pressure she was under. Right. No, I think she was. He kept telling her things, and she was basically kept just like shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Which a lot of girlfriends do to their boyfriends, quite frankly. I know it's like that too much. Plus, she was going in to have a lie detector exam, and the last thing she needed was more information to keep secret. And really, she wouldn't be in this pickle if not for Radcliffe and you. Well, she she's she's the one who did show up. Right. True true, but, but still. But still, like, if he had been honest with her, she would have failed the polygraph test way wait, earlier. Uh, yeah, wait. <laughs> she would not have been able to keep like, Ada's secret. Good point, good point. Yeah. Um, but, but kind of jumping down a little bit just because it's next to this story, I think it's, um, uh, this episode, like, it made me like, like Mace, and then at the very end it was just like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I like, think... but then again, I have the question here of, like, was this relationship always a blackmail relationship, or did he actually, like, in, like uh, want to work with her before this, and then she just, like, turned the table on in the last minute. Yeah, we don't know what his relationship with the senator is, and I think we're, it's something we're going to have to find out over a period of this whole season because there's definitely more to that. Um, but I think when I think his re- reliance on Gemma was incredibly um, flattering. He really needed her. He doesn't treat her like an assistant. He doesn't treat her. He treats her as an equal, which I appreciate. Uh, he's not uh, immune to like going, yeah, I know what you did, and you're going to help me because I know what you did. But then she's like, yeah. Well, well, I happen to know you weren't really in Vienna or you didn't really do that stuff in Vienna. <laughs> and he, she, he's like, touche about him. On to that point, those pictures really did look close from Vienna. They really, yeah. Like and I, I didn't during, notice that until you mentioned During live tweeting, uh, there was, I think, level seven, it was uh, level seven access hot and I, I think we're going back and forth a couple times and it's like, he was in Vienna? Oh my God. And we're trying to figure out where he would have been and I think uh, she said he would be uh, somewhere behind uh, Natasha. And I was like, yeah, I can kind of see that. 
I know he wasn't physically in the movie, but we can kind of imagine him being there and saving lives there. And then to know that, oh, I mean, he convinced us that he was there. I mean, I was like, I could see that. This guy is that. This guy is amazing. But I think Gemma got the measure of him. And I think that they have a new respect for each other. Um, speaking of maybe not the respect of like, okay, now we have a knife that we can pull on each other at this point. Speaking, <laughs> right. of, speaking of Vienna, I got some really weird Vienna flashback too because of that new like ghost EpiPen that fits the It's the same thing that Loki, looks like the exact same thing Loki developed or Loki used on the one guy to get his eye. <laughs> oh, that, the, the Stuttgart guy, yeah. yeah which uh, makes sense because they're all shield knowledge. So maybe it's, he developed it's, all of them. It's possible. I mean, I think this is a little different. Obviously, this was like an antidote, but, um, but, but yeah, I think, and I loved how Gemma and Fit kind of had their little bickering moment, but you could also say, you know, we live together, we sleep together, and I was like, okay, I don't need to know more. <laughs> Lucky um, kids. Too much information. Lucky kids. Um, but um, I did think it was really funny how they kind of was like, let's do the thumbtack under the tongue and the penny in the shoe. I was like, wrong way, and then Gemma said, it's the other way around. I was like, yes, that's my girl. Yeah. You watch Mythbusters too. <laughs> Yeah. It kind of does show that, like, as brilliant as as Leo is, he's putting he's putting around. Like, he, he's smart and confident when she's not around, but when she's around, like, he's just a boy that's in love with a girl. Kind of sweet. I mean, Simmons has always been sweet. That's why we love them. True. Steve, did you have something to add? Nope. Okay. I thought I heard you. Um. Yeah. I, I thought. Oh, I laughed. That's why. I said it. <laughs> okay. No laughing allowed, uh, Steve. No laughing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Laugh all you want. Um. And so those of you who are trying to um. Uh, trick polygraph, the penny under the tongue, and the thumbtack in the shoe do not work. Especially for that <laughs> lie detector, it looks like. Do, yeah, that, that's like the, the uh, cattle, not even the Cadillac, that is Although, the, the, the Bugatti of lie detector. I was tests. expecting the lie detector technician to start speaking lines in Russian. Apparently what does work, though, is that um, a nail on the finger, <laughs> if you remember from season one. Uh, well, well, I think Ward is just a, is just a liar. Mm-hmm. Well, he managed to trick Koenig, so obviously that's, the nail on the finger works. Going back and, to going back to those photos for just a little bit from Vienna. Did it look like our director was doing iceberg from from Zoolander in that picture from Vienna? Looking at that thing again, it's like he's doing iceberg. I didn't get that close a look, but it's very possible as long as he wasn't doing Blue Steel, then I'd be happy. <laughs> but I, I I really like uh, Gemma's uh, lack of confidence going in because it to me reflected how real she was, and mm-hmm. she's not a comic. I mean, she is a comic book character now, but um, she. Is not drawn that way, so to speak. She yeah. is very real. She is intelligent. She's one of the smartest people you will ever meet. And but she, but she's human. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, without getting into the uh, co- the debate, because we're going to save that for later. Um, I think uh, the way that Mace and Gemma work together is at the beginning she was feeding him information, but he would phrase it in a way that was perfect for the debate, and she would kind of get a little frustrated. That's not what I said. Look on her face. But I but think she once realized. It comes out, actually, he's, he's like. Oh, okay. Now I, get I it. see what he's doing, and I think the way they work together was really done well. And so I think that her ability to lie to him—I think he respects that she's trying to protect something—and he just. And that part of me at this point really felt like he wanted to be on the team with them, and this was kind of his way of like he wants to kind of be in on it. But that's but, Jason Omar's camp with this character, yeah. like really, like you really don't know what thing are we going. Right. But and any of us that have taken political science class before, or have seen the movie The King. Speech, which by the way, if you haven't seen that movie, it's it's brilliant. Like people who don't know how to speak need every line given to them verbatim just because they don't know how to speak well. But anybody that's actually taken like debate or actually watch watch Meet the Press on NBC, that's how it works. 
That's why they have those earpieces in, just in case they need, like, a, a lifeline if I can use it once in March. Yeah, I totally, I totally, I mean, it's not unusual for people on those shows to have somebody talking in their ear. And I think that Gemma was the person he needed, and he was willing to do whatever he had to, including forgiving, uh, throwing uh, the lie detect test. Not all of us can be Steve Rogers and come up with these fantastic shows off the top of our heads. No, yeah. no, we can't. We can't not all be Steve Rogers. Some of us would rather be. Some of us would rather be Clint Martin. <laughs> okay, now on to the meat and potatoes mm. of this episode. Jailhouse Rock, man. Where's our, the our... Castle when you need him? I know exactly. Uh, I thought I was like I thought that too. But here we go. They've decided that they've got to get Eli out of jail uh, because they need him, not just for his protection. But they're like, you know, we need him because we need his what's in his head, and we're gonna hold on to Robbie mm. because Robbie's our way of getting him. Robbie does not look happy to be even on though that he block. looks like an excellent Uber driver with that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see that jacket, I was like, is this just a new advertisement for Uber? I love that jacket so much. Don't don't put that in my head because I will not love that jacket anymore. Um, <laughs> so they instead. they've gone in with permission. They've gone in with the proper paperwork. May is a hundred percent on this on this team now, and a little they get thrown a little bit of a curveball when they meet the warden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, except it's more like curse shot. But <laughs> that was a great scene because I didn't know until like the last second was actually on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. when May looked at like the base heater or the air conditioning vent in there, I mean, he's she once she gave that look and I have to say and I say it a lot Ming-Na Wen is, a, is brilliant because she notices it but she doesn't let him know that she notices it I she think, just notices it and you know because we know May that something that, is going through her head I think that's also the same way we can look at last week and how people like um, are questioning how May didn't notice that Ida was um, artificial I feel like she did but she's like sitting like it's on the back burner because she doesn't want to like jump on anything before it's too soon yeah she right, knows plus, how the team will react if like, like the heavy thing comes Right. Plus, she just came back from the dead. Yeah, and she's probably like a little bit grateful that she's alive. So and by probably... the and speaking of that, did, did you all love her hate calls kind of picking and picking and Um, I thought that it was totally Colson. <laughs> um, I thought that it was a question I too would ask had I been in his situation. He'd been dead, and yeah. his memories implanted. Yeah. He really wants to know what it is like because he didn't get that. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I thought it, you know, he brought it up at inappropriate times. <laughs> But I also think that's part of whole charm. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, did you see that now? Entertainment Weekly has completely published a full article about Belinda now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I totally it, thought about you and like, when I heard so those like, scenes. the flames last night and like have a, like, well, yeah. Well, him, well, him and Mingna Wen are such good friends, so they can't, they can like poke, like fun at each other like that. But I, I don't think they want that. Reason. No. Um, Mingna has shipped her to ship day with pretty much everybody, most noticeably, of course. Thor. I know. I'd be on that ship. Yeah. First time I ever saw Chris Hemsworth, I was like, yeah, girls and yeah, guys, I understand what you're into. Look at the dude's hair. <laughs> it's like, have you, I've been this close to his arm. Uh, kind of comment at Cole. Um, but, um, you know how I feel about shipping. But I know that Ming-Na is the biggest Belinda shipper of them all. Uh, but like I said, she's shipped herself pretty much with everybody. She could ship herself so. with Groot if one. That, actually, <laughs> that would be weird. I think if it was Groot, if he looked like Vin Diesel, she definitely would ship herself with Groot. Or a baby Groot. Or no, that'd be creepy. That's creepy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're in the jail. Robbie sees an old friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. Sort of an old um, friend. You know what? I feel like they kind of like made us very, um, they kind of like tricked 
this a little bit with that character because like in the first scene we see with him with Robbie like he's basically turning basically complete ass to him but like later on he's almost like like they say he's a model prisoner and he seems like a decent guy and whatnot so it's like okay you want to make us not like him but then you want us to like him as Robbie's about to kill him like what's your deal here yeah there was some inconsistent writing there but I but here's the thing about model prisoners and I don't want to do like a blanket statement are you a model prisoner because you're a good guy or you're a model or you're a model prisoner because you really want to get out of it's a good point, you know, that the hell goes to our whole judicial in, uh, incarceration system. Uh, so Robbie meets the guy who we later find out is the one responsible for no, killing, or the one he the thinks member of the gang that's responsible, uh, but he had he had ordered his guys no, to do it, no, but he wasn't, no, for, that was taken out, that was bummed, right, but, but his, he worked out later, his, gets inside. Obviously, neither one of the, these two, neither James or Nicky are fluent in Spanish, where they would <laughs> I am fluent in Spanish, and it was translated. <laughs> so this is the guy who's in charge of, of the gang. He was incarcerated, but he approved the hit that was taken out by someone else, and it was his and gang he, members who carried it out. Anyone so, have a feeling that it was um, Eli who took out the hit? I just feel like that's where they're going. Yeah. Well, story. yeah. I, so, and I really don't want that to happen. I want Eli to not... I, I don't want this to be another kind of twist where you have a good guy that we think is a good guy who turns out to be a bad guy. They've done that at least five times. Can we just, like... I mean, obviously... Eli is not totally innocent. I mean, that's clear on the former days, but does it need to be this? And does it need to be with him? But, but I think that that is a definite possibility. Oh, uh, I think Cass, Jose Zuniga, you, you bring on the possibility because he's such a good actor and he could play both kind of roles really well and he could also play this if it's duplicitous. He's kind of got it, but he snowballed. Um, I think that there's some kind of thing going on definitely with him and Lucy in the book. I that's think dirty. He, Just because he's kind of, <laughs> kind of power, yeah. kind of power hungry thing where the, you know, at the end with, with what happens. But, um, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm holding out hope that they do something really clever with the character of Eli and not something cliche. Um, and again, like, Eli was the, um, like, he was a horrible, horrible human being in the comic book, so I feel like they have to yeah, do something they, with there, this. There has to be, or make him, like this, make him do his penance by helping S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so Robbie takes care of the guy who was in charge of the gang, responsible for the hit that Paralyzed gave, and killed uh, some other kids, which is, and which kind of is what almost led to him becoming the Ghost Rider. We'll get, I mean, we'll get into more of that next guy. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we don't even know, is it possible that Robbie actually died and like was brought back to life but like it was so fast that no one really noticed? I don't really yeah, and, think, and, like, and we don't, we don't, we will not know that probably till next week. And we'll talk about that more in the spoilers because I think in the teaser it kind of established that Gabe thought his brother died and me did because you see that reflection of fire off Gabe's face in the flashback not in the cell but in the flashback. We'll take care of that during spoilers. Yeah. So during, so the shield goes in the, the warden uh start to see may and colson just like the ghost and the the prison has become infected with whatever it is that is turning people into paranoid paranoid ghost ghost watchers they don't uh, do that with um the uh watchdogs because they're already that way they're already so. paranoid they're already paranoid idiots uh yeah. but we did find out more about the watchdogs a little bit in that this is where they're being recruited this is where a lot of them are recruited is in prison which is just like any gang, really. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of gangs that are, you know, recruit through prison, and which is a really sad commentary on our prison system. But it also makes it more dangerous going in there with an inhuman like Daisy, in that they are automatically on the lookout, and they already know that when Shield comes in, Shield protect the inhuman. So yeah. uh, Lucy the Ghost decides, <laughs> which sounds like an uh, like a character from Casper. To be honest, yeah. when you see the... <laughs> Lucy the Ghost, who is not intangible, decides.
decides she's going to let the inmates go free. And right as our S.H.I.E.L.D. buddies are walking through the cell block. A block of watchdogs. <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose. Yep. You don't have bacon it's strips for watchdogs, like, apparently. <laughs> and Daisy locks herself in the lunchroom, of course. And, like, actually, I have to give props to the director for using, like, and the fight coordinator for, like, using the environment so well in that fight scene. Because it looked like, it actually felt like it was actually, like, an organic fight that was um, using the environment to, and it's, Daisy was using the environment to her advantage. And it's exactly. not, and it's not, it's very unlike an Agent Shield you long fighting. Usually we only get a couple minutes. Because, like, Agents of Shield, like, is a more effect heavy show than a fight choreography show. So it was kind of nice to be kind of the Defender style of fighting. And did anyone ever, did anyone else notice that the only person who's really gotten really long fight scenes in the entire show has been um, Chloe Bennett? Well, when you're, when you're that fit, um, and you are that good, besides May, May's gotten some pretty good ones. Um, yeah, you give her the fight sequences. I mean, look at her. She I can have, do it. Fact, her. She's very, she's, uh, you can feel the, um, <laughs> muscles in her back when you hug it's, her. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, she's incredible. Um, and what yeah, give her fight scenes. Plus, she had something to prove, and this was kind of her way of, you know, protecting Coulson and May, even though they were like, um, come with us. Um, yeah, you, she had plenty of time to go through the door, too. Yeah, but she wanted, I think she wanted to take on the watchdogs. I think she yeah. had her own agenda there, and the way she did it was, she didn't rely on her powers. She did it through physical strength, and, um, well, you gotta she was give her to use her powers, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she's, her bones are shattering when she uses her powers. And then we, you know, Coulson and May get locked in the trash compactor room, because <laughs> um, I have to make everything a Star Wars reference, as you know. Well, I don't, um, think, that, I don't think that was not I was on purpose. It, it was like, you could tell. Yeah, <laughs> no and Coulson, Coulson is, again, asked May, what was it really like? Because Tahiti was bullshit, kind of. Uh, that was and, his That was his Black Widow, Captain America, Winter Soldier, multi-time. Yeah, and, and May's like, really, seriously, we're going to talk about this now? Um, which was, I think, a really great moment to put in the middle of this really intense scene, this really intense uh, jailhouse uh, rock kind of moment, uh, was to have a little bit of levity. Yeah. And can we talk about how um, cool like it was to see Robbie and Mac actually like teaming up, sort of? Yes, kind please. Of intensely? <laughs> yes, I, there is no love there between the two of them, but well, of I think course. there's a grudging respect, and that yeah. they both are incredibly powerful, and neither one wants to piss the other one off, because... And I think they're really similar, too, because like they come from a thing where you're a part of the government, I don't trust you. You're something that I've never seen before, I don't trust you. And the things that I've seen on both sides gives me a reason not trust you. Can I oh, totally. I mean, we see both sides, and I think they do a really good job, the actors and the directors and the writers, of saying, there's two sides to this, and you've made they've made both sides understandable, and you sympathize and empathize with both of them. Um, mm-hmm. What would you do if you knew that this guy with a flaming head uh, <laughs> was, you know, a, a murderer, and but had a code? Get marshmallows, and, and then you have a guy with the you have a guy with the <laughs> shotgun act. Get, mar- oh. get marshmallows and graham crackers and special dark chocolate. Only if you wa- oh. only if you want to die. <laughs> Can we um talk yeah. also? Well, two things here. Uh, one, the um uh the chain being used again. Yes, just that, was my, chain, that was you know? going to be. <laughs> I love that because it was it was so planted. Like I love that in Jeremy shows. Like of course you you walk around a place that coincidentally has a chain. Of course. Well, the other it's one is like how Mac is going to be the only person who like recognizes that um the face is not the original face and like he just like pulls out the thing immediately. Yeah. So it's just like the line like unless you always had that like whatever clown thing he said go, face going on. It's, I'm pretty sure I've been infected. They just whatever like, ICP thing you got going on. I think I've been infected. And they they did a really good job in the trailer last week to make you think that it was Mac I took. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. They they did kind of cut it in a way that was similar. But yeah, I did love that Mac was coherent enough and smart enough to kind of go. I've been infected. Do some 
you know, get away from me because I've got a I've got a shotgun with an axe on well, it. Well, remember, this is not the first time you've been picked by. No, not, and he doesn't I, like it. Oh, uh, I've done the whole mind control thing before. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Remember that line? Oh yeah. But um, I did love the scene with the chain, and I thought that too. Now that we've gotten with him, are we gonna finally add it to his repertoire? Make him go. I kind of like use it like the third time, going. I think I'm gonna hold on to this one because so, he's well, I mean, thrown he the other. The other chain in the back of the hell charger. He just didn't have it on him when he right, was right because he threw. He just dropped him, but he threw the chain. You know, James, but he threw the chain over his shoulder last week. Um, so he's going. essentially gonna be like Drax Destroyer. I like your name. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts on this prison break riot? Oh my god, I was I loved it from the beginning. Right, I don't know, it's just so many things he didn't say. Um, like you were talking about with uh, how he killed that uh, guy in the cell that was just messed up. I didn't think he was gonna kill him. But. Yeah, I think he 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 had intentions to kill him once he saw him. Um, but then I thought after he gave him the information that he kind of wanted, uh, or they some of it, him. but yeah. he didn't give him the name because he doesn't know the guy. And I think he, I, I was like, oh. Okay, he's gonna let this guy live because nope. it was nope. like, nope, you still ordered your men to carry this out, so you're still gonna die. Gonna die. And, his and name now, is Baron Zemo. <laughs> so now we have a new mystery for Robbie is like, okay, now I have to find out who this other guy is. So he's got a new motivation, which will hopefully, uh, you know, work now, really well in tandem with the other story. Yes, Steve. Like you guys said earlier, we can find out what actually happened to Robbie and his brother, hopefully, yeah. in the coming weeks. Well, next week looks like we're getting an origin story so I hope so yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, one last thing the uh, scene between May and Daisy that we kind of called is, was uh, yeah. and actually originally from what I understand like they I read that somewhere that they said it was originally pitched as Colson and Daisy but then Jed Whedon was like no May and Daisy would be better yeah, yeah Colson, Colson's not quite there yet yeah, yeah. No. and and we're kind of jumping ahead but I love the scene on the bus with Daisy and May just because like Daisy I said this in like episode one of this she really is like Buck Summers Season six of season six above the vampire. She doesn't know how to process her, doesn't know how to process. Her, so she's basically running away, but still trying to keep as much of herself as she can as possible. You kind of see that in her face when she's starting to weep on the bus. She knows she's in a crappy spot and doesn't know how to get out of or move yeah. forward. Yeah, I I really I was like when I saw that moment happening with her and May, I was like, oh, the talk is going to happen. Yeah. And I expected just based on other TV shows and other moments like this that it was going to be a long talk and it would be full of words and full of tears but then right as it was starting I was like but this is May yeah <laughs> this mean, is like, not going to be that talk this is going to be shut up put your girl panties on and let's do this thing you could tell when she was walking away like and then you kind of held on her face and then Daisy said once this is over I'm gone like May just had that look like oh well I tried <laughs> what, made so. to, what made to me seems like the mother or the aunt that isn't gonna like hug you every morning morning and say good morning and say I love you but she's gonna be the one that you know tells you she loves you but in like kind of a tough not over awkward yeah yeah I, I I knew once I once I kind of came to I was like oh wait this is me this this was gonna be to the point direct no BS just no flowery language it wasn't like she was writing an essay on the for the SAT where you fill it in with all sorts of bullshit uh and then you get to your point in like three sentences but the rest of it's all flowery funny fun language uh it was put your big girl pants on let's go, and do this you know and then okay you don't want you're gonna be gone fine okay I did yeah. what I could yeah because like May knows because even though she didn't kill Andrew she she should have been a, a much more
more attentive and much more open to Andrew when they were first or when they were first dating. And she realizes she's screwed up and she doesn't want the same thing that happened with her and Andrew to happen with the father-daughter relationship that Daisy has. And someday Colton will come around, but I'm actually fine with them not having that relationship for a yeah. while because I think Daisy needs to earn that. She earned it before and Colson, she's let Colson down too many yeah. times. And I think that there's a breaking point even for our unflappable leader. And this was his breaking point. And I think it's going to take a lot for him. I think he'll always like emotionally be connected. Like he really grew to care for her as a human being, as like a daughter figure. But I think that kind of he's at the point where, you know, I've done what I can. If she's still going to do this, then anything else I do, it's just going to lead to more hurt. So and to, further Nick, wa- and to further Nikki's point, as much as much bad things as Bucky Barnes did as the one soldier, he never ever lied. He never deceived him. It was it was beyond his control. Not this not the same thing between Colson. No, right. but it's a similar kind of. I've one person is crying and the other person is not willing to meet them halfway. And I kind of feel like when you look back over the past three seasons, Colson was the one that was always crying. He was the one who had his hand out to help her and to reach for her. And she kept at for some things she was like, yeah, I'm totally with you, Colson. But she'd also kind of put him to the side at, at point when something else like when Lincoln came into the picture even when Cal came into the picture and with Cal you want you know that's going to happen that's her biological father yeah. um, but it wasn't until after those things that she kind of went oh yeah Coulson and I think Coulson rightly deserves better Yeah. and I think that she genuinely has affection for him and I think she genuinely thinks of him as more than just her boss but I also think that you, if you take someone for granted you only get away with that for so long before they say enough because I'm going to make a bold claim here. I don't think... I, I like using this saying a lot for relationships. You don't get to choose who you love, but you get to choose who you trust. I don't think Daisy and her core really truly trust Coulson. I, I don't think, think she trusts anybody. Yeah, and I... and Well, that's always been Daisy. And, like, to go back to, like, Cap and Bucky for a second, there's always... And there always will be. That is why well, Cap is willing to die for his... Well, that's also because of the... Right. That's why they have a history that goes back, you know, 70 plus years. Um, with Daisy and Colson, it's only like 20 of those being conscious, but nonetheless. Right. Exactly. But then, but being that they were kind of asleep for most of that time, those feelings are still front and center. They haven't had time to bury them. Yeah. Uh, because that stuff just doesn't go away right away. They're, they're um, with each other Coulson till the end of the line. They're with each other till the end of the line, pal. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Colson and Daisy have had that relationship, but it's also been fractured at times. It's also been bent. And I think, and because of her youth and because of who she is and her struggles and her emotional state she has taken him for granted yeah. and I, I think Colson has come to the realization that he, he's done with that yeah. and it, she has to come to him now she, I think it's, go it's, for very, it. it's very reminiscent I think of like lots of stories where um, uh, people where orphan kids like they are, are sort of used to this like independence or whatever because they are like this own like self-determination that they have because like anytime they do something that, um, that someone doesn't like like the per- like, usually with the bad foster parents I think they just kind of like give up and eventually that just kind of goes to your head where you're just like okay well now apparently I can do anything I want and like she was that way up until S.H.I.E.L.D. caught her with the rising tides so like every time that someone's been trying to like parent her for lack of a better word she's been sort of reluctant to embrace that because like she's been so used to this own 
this like ra- almost radical freedom that um, she just doesn't want to give that up and like that's sort of playing out into the extreme right now because like she sees this radical freedom that she has as more of like um, protecting her protecting others from herself and it's just going to her head yeah because as she as she says in this episode she doesn't say these words exactly but like she's poison to everyone around her and she actually has proof because ever since season one ever, any, anyone she's ever like gave her feelings to besides Colson like Ward her parent Lincoln they've all left her die yeah no, I, James, and at James, least I and two of them betrayed her so yeah. Yeah. James I have to say that is a really kind of brilliant analysis of the situation I didn't even think about that she was an orphan she was in foster care and yeah. you're right and I've had friends who were in similar situations I've had students in similar situations and there is that fierce independence that they are struggling to hold on to because to give that up would make them weak yeah. in the yeah. eyes of somebody else and in their eyes especially so I think that was absolutely brilliant um, so thank you for that yeah, and there's only so many times that you can get your trust broken and your heart crushed where just the where you're like screw this I'm over this yeah and I think so I also like, want to go with another one sort of like that could kind of connect if um Mace is willingly working with Senator Nadir yeah and um evil uh, Mindy Kaling yeah well yeah and like the same, it's the same sort of philosophy with James that like they are potentially um I don't really we don't really know Mace's story right now but potentially like these are both people who have had experiences that have been like that they never asked for and are um uh like and have been thrust upon them and I think it's kind of like a um I never never heard of any like anything documented of this but like it's something that uh has been played out in stories a lot but like there's always this there's this sort of recurring story where there's a character who's like self-destructive because like whatever gifts they've been given are ones that they don't they never asked for but have been given anyways and they come to resent that because they don't um agree they do, like they don't see a reason to have it and it's like and it's made their lives more complicated and gone in directions they didn't they didn't want well, yeah sort of well, like fantastic, um, sort of, well fantastic four much spider-man much yeah but the thing is like these characters like these are people who they don't embrace them and they reject them because they it just it just makes them who someone they never thought they would be and it um and they come just like they want to destroy everything that's about it like i don't i i have no example for this but i feel like there's been narratives where like there's been a, there's like, like a gay character who just like hates gay people or whatever and it's just, that's the self-loathing yeah that, it, it's like a self-loathing to the point where they project it onto other people and they hate everything about this um thing that they are and they don't want anyone else to be this way ever again so well i've often right. said this too you either want to be like an exact copy of your parents or you want to not like i've never met i've never met somebody that either or or like in the middle like you either want to be almost exactly like parents or you don't want to be involved. i only know that i'm a lot like my mother and my sister is a lot like my dad but i don't think either one of us chose the things that we wanted because otherwise we, it would be a different story um yeah, exactly. i love you i love you my mom my mom is the best person in the world okay so now we get down now the we've got our shield crew is safe mac has been given the antidote to ghostly visions too many ghostbusters reference robbie lets his uncle go and his uncle gets roped in and yeah yeah i i i was done with the ghostbusters references that's all i have to say. I, I, thought say. Was fun. I thought it was funny <laughs> the first the first one was fine but when you keep doing yeah. it's like okay uh, you're you're not promoting a movie yes steve yes. what were you gonna say yeah they did it like three or four times i was over it the first <laughs> yeah the first one was fine but after you yeah exactly oh by the so way one, gets... more, oh, one more thing before we move forward i can't believe they cast chris smith as joey chris smith who played jack mcphee on dawson's creek i barely recognized him <laughs> with the gray hair yeah yeah i recognized him too i i would have preferred they cast like jade marsters but i'm yeah. not in charge of casting or james but, 
No, he's busy on Westworld where we need him. Um, <laughs> so Eli gets away. Lucy kind of kidnaps him in an ambulance. We don't know if it's really kidnapping or if he goes somewhat willingly, but it looks like it's kidnapping because when a somewhat tangible ghostly being tells you what to do, you kind of do it. Because yeah. um, this is thriller. We get out in the yard and we're rescued and then we get back to the base and there is a... Daisy had their talk. And... May and Daisy had their talk, which we've talked about, and now the director is going to battle in a debate with Bend It Like Beckham. Uh, Governor, yeah, or Senator, Senator Nadir, who is for humans first, which is quote unquote, <laughs> quote unquote which is like the most like horrible kind of name for an organization. It's, and, well, it's like, exactly like what's well, like Friends of exactly Humanity like, from X-Men. It's Trumpism in this world, and, yeah. it's, and it's kind of sad. It, it goes to show you like the fact they cast a person of color to play this role, and the fact that the uh, character is a person of color that really racism and prejudice don't are not limited to white no, people. No, there there are people of all races who are prejudiced against other races, or people who are uh, Asian who are racist against any other race that you can think of, or people who are Hispanic or African American. Racism is not a white thing. Racism is a human thing. Yeah, I mean, just like l- looking at it from my dad's perspective, told me like several times the only Asians I like are Korean. <laughs> right. There's even within yeah. communities like that. I, what were you saying, Steve? I was laughing. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I've had Asian friends who say they don't like, you know, who are Korean who don't like Japanese people. I'm like, absolutely. I was like, okay, that really changes your worldview as an outsider to that because you're like, you start to realize that you've fallen into the trap of everybody from one ethnicity is the same. No, and that no. it really, and it's totally not true. Yeah. Not every Asian likes another person from Asia. People seem to forget that India is Asia. Yeah, and, and also Hispanics don't, don't like other Hispanics, like Mexicans and Puerto Ricans, like don't necessarily like each other. Right. There is a whole thing uh, in, I know I have my, one of my roommates is from Mexico and he doesn't, and in his culture, there's a distaste for Cubans. Yes. So, there's like, there's a Scarface reference, even though Al Pacino's not Latino, but his character, I think, is Latino and he's like, I don't like fucking Colombians, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Swear so, uh, so it's, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, racism is just a human thing. It's not, and we've learned that from Sandra Nadir that even though she is of Indian descent and the actress is British of Indian descent. Um, she does a really good Barakan accent. Let's give uh, Parminder that good credit. Uh, she uh, she doesn't like Inhuman. And it reminds us, of course, of a certain senator from the X-Men film uh, who wanted a registration program. Well, we have a registration program from Inhuman. We have one right now. Yeah, it's called we the have Sokovia the Sokov- Right, and it's working, but she seems to want to just keep poking and poking, and she's using rhetoric that's hateful, and she's using rhetoric that inspires fear in people who don't it's, understand. It's twisted is what it is. It's also twisted. Yeah, it's it very twisted. It reminds us of something else going on, and I think that's a reflection of what's going on in our society today. But I think that our director, who impressed me so much in this debate, really has her set to right. And of course, with the help of Gemma, with the statistics, uh, he kind of nailed her in this debate. And he used his intelligence, he used fact, he used... His own uh, um, physiology. <laughs> his own physiology. I mean, him coming out as inhuman was huge, and I did not expect it to happen this soon. And I, mean, I saw it coming like as soon, like halfway through, I was just like, okay, he's going to tell him. He's going to have to say he's inhuman. I kind of did too, but it, at the time, I was like, he's he's probably going to say it this in this debate but at the time I was but I was also like but it's really early we just learned this the yeah. crew you know which probably the means there's something really big coming down the line yeah if exactly if they're willing to blow the secret that soon and make it public something else is happening yeah. but I think that it caught him off guard uh, a little bit to even have to do that and when when the senator was being very accusatory towards him I, 
I think, you know, it, it made him think and he decided that that's what was going to have to happen. And I think being in kind of her insulting inhumans in general was a personal insult to him as he's as he is inhuman. And I think knowing what he went through, it kind of makes you like him more. It's like, look, this guy was a regular human being before. Up until the end, of course. Right. It's until the end when we find out, boom, they're working together. Yeah. Or either willingly or unwillingly, we can't be completely clear. Yeah. yeah. But now she does. If, if she knew he was inhuman, she doesn't have this to hold over him anymore. This because he's let the world know. Yeah. Um, and what and is she really after? That's one of my big questions. Yeah. What is, she what, really is after? what is her end game and what is his role in it? And I think I tweeted last night this this episode came with more questions than answers. Which is what good TV is supposed to do quickly. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. So I, I think I thought it was a very bold move of him to to say it. Um, she did get under his skin though, you can tell. And the rhetoric she was using was just fear mongering and hateful, whereas he approached it from a much more logical and uh, even toned manner. And I, I think that's what people, re- I think that she's going to, re- people who respond to her are going to be guys like the Watchdogs or a certain candidate supporters. And people who re- will respond to him are the logical, more logical thinkers. I, do, I don't like Senator Deer, but again, like we saw in like episode two, her hate mongering, no one's that intense and that passionate unless it comes from a place. Yeah, uh, there is something going on with her and we just will not find out probably until mid-season yeah. uh, really what her what her what her uh, end game is um, I look forward to that and maybe she's a character from the comics that just has changed her name maybe who knows maybe uh, she's I, in character yes Steve I think maybe she has kids and maybe they possibly came in humans well, well we, we know. know her brother was like went through terogenesis and has apparently yet to come out so which is scary that he's still in the cocoon because we haven't seen anybody stay in one that long it could be no. Ivan Ooze yeah we, we yeah. don't know so that's it for we're gonna wrap up our discussion of lockup. Here's a here's a question yep. I have for you guys. Um, sure. Why don't we? Do you want to do the spoilers first, and then we can read the listener feedback after you have to go, Nikki? Uh, no, I'm okay with with missing spoilers. I think right. I've said everything. Uh, okay, so uh, James, we have some listener feedback. Yes, we did, and um, you actually found someone who's not Aaron and is not Morgan this week, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, Usually um, they take up so much of uh wonderfully take up so much of our feedback. We don't have room for other people. Yep, but um, this week we have one from. At Nova underscore four ninety six, Colson mentioned Pandora's box at the beginning of so, which is technically a Marvel reference. This is it true. is true. Yes. Uh, if you don't, uh, Steve, do you know the history of Pandora's box? No, but I was like, it is. I know it is a Marvel reference. It, it is indeed. Uh, basically, the just briefly, the Pandora's box mention is if you know Greek mythology, it's uh, given to Pandora by Zeus, uh, and she was told never to open it, right. and she did, and unleashed monsters of fear, yeah. hate, and all these bad things on the world. But then. Uh, which were returned by Cersei. Right, right. And Cersei, uh, the way it brought them all back. Uh, now in the Marvel Universe, the sorcerer was the one who found the box and he used the imps that were inside the box to, uh, take over, try to take over the world and he was stopped by the human torch who sealed the box and threw it into the ocean. So there's all the, you know, there's the imp of paralysis, imp of fear, laziness, disease, uh, uh, forgetfulness. There's even, I think, one, a sleepy one, an imp of sleepiness. (laughs) I don't remember all of the imp. Um, was it dopey, sneezy, doc? And there was one that was uh, that was ice and one that was fire. Um, so it is a Marvel thing. It's more of a Fantastic Four thing, but it does exist. Hopefully we won't have to, you know, use the uh, Pandora's box. I think we're pretty good with the dark hole. For now. Okay, so, oh. and go for it. Hey, Aaron. Um, hi, everybody. How are y'all doing? I hope the answer to that is fantabulous. I would agree. What do you guys think? Yep. 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 <laughs> um, it's late. My brain is mush, so I'm going to jump right into the future. What if it's reading us? Is that not an indication that you should 
could run run far 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 away. Uh, yeah, I would agree. But um, yeah, <laughs> lesson one: nothing good can come from ghost fingers in your brain. So maybe try to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> um, even Fury was afraid of the dark hole. So I should be wary of a book that is, with a scary name. Is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You find it weird that they have it like it's called the dark hole, but I just feel like the title like right written right on the cover. Is the yes. Thing. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine to read that like an Asgore? You know, something that somebody could do. Well, well, they did say that in the episode that the reader, the reader of the book, can read it in their own language. Like the book is actually just yeah, it's right. kind of like Tom Riddle's diary. Yeah, that's inter- That's an interesting metaphor. Um, let's but let's move on. He's growing on me. You, Mac, not so much. <laughs> uh, care, uh, careful, really, you've been murdering. You've been murdering people while possessed on fire. Robbie, honey, you need to activate stealth mode. <laughs> um, it stops his telling Simmons things. It's a bit late for her to get lie detector pointers from uh, Brett Dalton. See, I told you, <laughs> my finger, it seems to work. Uh, um, I lost my place. Crap. You had a near-death experience. Yeah, you had a near-death experience. It was a death experience. It's, it's odd that I love May, Colson and May have this in common. <laughs> Oh yeah, the wrist shield. You forgot about the wrist shield. Yes. So oh awesome. So pretty. Yes. We want it. Yes. Can't. We want the precious. Yes. Yes. Phil <laughs> really is deep in his hero worship. <laughs> um, actually, Sean Richter, I think, made a actual shield shield that's like it's not that color, but it's like the it's, same pattern. Which Nikki I think does not have the money to buy more shields though. That you. Yeah. So. But so my um, birthday is coming up, Sean. Really <laughs> um, okay, James, go ahead. And a couple more funny companions, complete with jumpsuits and proton packs, and we have a real ghostbusting team. Ta-ta. Uh, Um, I still love watching the Quinjet doc. I think you might have a little bit of, I think you might have something going on in your imagery there, Aaron. (laughs) Um, I don't like my stomach up behind my eyeball, so no pod drops for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that was kind of, I do, like, I was thinking about the physics of that, and I feel like if you, that's going to happen, you have to be strapped to the floor, otherwise you're going to go, like, right to the ceiling. Yeah, no, I'm not in, I'm not in for that. Um, What's your face also does an insane clown posse thing, I'm infected. (laughs) Max infected (laughs) jokes. Yeah, I love that. That was a great moment. Yeah. Um, this is my fight, not yours. Come here, Daisy. Let me slap some sense into you. <laughs> that's what the that's what the watchdog said. <laughs> not in so many words. Um, it's so much fun watching Daisy fight. There's just too many guys. Get out of there, girl. Yeah. Well, she didn't. Um, <laughs> so you don't think I'm the man for the job? I expected that secret to stay more secrety. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to know what I saw, Phil? I saw you. I need more made moments like this now. <laughs> See? Aww. See? Philinda, yeah. Philinda, Philinda. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, damn it, Daisy, stop being so stubborn. Isn't that what we all said, though? Yeah. yeah. Um, bold move, Simmons, but you better watch out for a new, the new director. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I feel like it's going to be kind of scary. If something goes wrong in um, whatever Sandra Nadir has planned for um, Jeffrey Mace and or, like, if they're playing it together, like, Gemma's going to be the fall person for it. That I hope not. Yeah, but I feel like that's a very big possibility. Yeah, I, I, I can do it. Um, Coulson has a bigger heart than most. I need to write May's speech on my walls after an, an, over and over until every inch is covered. Oh, so you just want to be like Coulson in season two. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, darn, I wanted to like the new director. He seems like he's not thrilled the position within, so we'll see. Yeah, that's basically what I was like. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, you're being blackmailed. Hmm. Yep. Um, I love when Jason O'Mara goes from personal to cold as ice in a heartbeat. Can't wait to see where this is going. Yeah, like, it's weird. Like, watching Jason O'Mara act this part out, it's like, okay, you sound like a corporate puppet right now, then you sound like a really cold-hearted guy now you sound like a badass and now you sound like yeah. he's just like so his performance is so all over the place in the best possible way it's like yeah. really cool yeah. it, it, it's very it's subtle but it, it is you when you see it you know why it's why it's going on yeah. he is a man of many facets and i think he's doing it brilliantly yeah um, well then i forgot a lesson too no time for that now god man before my battery dies until next week yeah thank you aaron and if you guys if anybody out there wants to see more of aaron's reviews on television shows her website is 
is rainbeast.com, R-E-I-N-B-E-A-S-T.com. Thank you, Aaron. Keep sending us uh, your tweets. And we have our email from Morgan. Yay. Hey, guys. I remembered the S this week. Good, good for you, Morgan. <laughs> what a fun episode. And I, re- and I remembered to change the number, so we're we're on a good good path, Morgan. <laughs> uh, what a fun episode. That opening scene was super creepy and reminded me of a scene from The Cabin in the Woods, which makes sense because Whedon's. Have you guys seen that movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? They go from the basement the first time they choose or presents with kind of crazy killers come after them, etc., etc. Yeah, I remember this. The dark old and the entire scene in general is giving me those vibes. I can see that, actually. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen The Cabin in the Woods, go watch it. It's a great movie. Um, favorite line happened super early this week. Colson, may, may want to go to prison? It could be Taco Tuesday. <laughs> and then he looks in the dumpster. Oh, it was Taco Tuesday. Colson <laughs> um, later pestering May about what she saw when she died was pretty funny and ironic because he's died. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I loved her response, but it wasn't Tahiti. <laughs> And it's adorable later in the episode when she finally answered him and she saw it, uh, it was when I saw it. Of course, she saw the one person you trust most in the world. True friendship or love, if you want to say it. No! No friendship. <laughs> I love torturing you guys about that. You're not torturing me, I just want to... I very much appreciate now and the return of Max's shotgun axe, but also Coulson's shield arm. That thing is seriously so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that whole prison sequence. Anyone else get Dale Gable season two flashbacks and the prison doors open and all the inmates start advancing on Daisy, Mac, and Coulson? I think yep. all did. Yep. Um, then the cafeteria scene where Daisy was just against all the inmates. Total Punisher vibes, although quite a bit less gore. Yeah, true. And I loved it. It made some good, good use of the set. Thank you, Morgan. We uh, both noticed that. And I love that Daisy got beat up by those guys on the food trays, <laughs> tables, and the attached seating. It was very resourceful spinning the stool seats and knocking one of the inmates in the head. Yeah, <laughs> again, great prop to the director and the fight coordinator for this. Um, overall, a very well done fight sequence. It was nice to see Daisy can still hold her own without using her quake powers. And the director, director Mace, obviously. I still don't trust him. I did find that to be, but obviously he's lied about stuff and covering other things up as revealed by Boss Lady Simmons. <laughs> yeah, seriously, if uh, May ends up going down the toilet this next season, this season, I want Simmons to be the next director, please. Um, seriously, the girl's a genius and does her research, and he's potentially making deals with Nadir super sketchy. Okay, and we talk, can we talk about George Stephanopoulos playing himself? That was both hilarious and really cool because it made me kind of feel like that he was part of our real world. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they had the well, Joan Rivers cameo and the whole Fashion Police cameo in Iron Man 3, which is kind of cool. Well, that's Marvel's thing. They've always wanted to take, like, the real world and add this crazy to it, but Yeah, rest in peace, Joan Rivers. Um, and Owen next week guys Ghost Rider origin story I'm so excited I don't know a lot about Robbie but I've really really been enjoying him so far this season I can't wait to get more background on him so with that, be- that being said until next week Morgan thank you Morgan as always we love your emails keep sending them to us and if you would like to, to share your thoughts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. remember to tweet us at Across Airwaves after each episode or email us at Across the Airwaves at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 773-809-3363 and we will read your thoughts on the podcast. So James, what are we doing on our next episode? Well, we're discussing episode six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as our feedback, as we always do. <laughs> exactly. And now let's roll that pre-recorded closing. Get at our Across the Airways podcast. Get at our website. Across the Airways.com. Get at Across the Airways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows. Available as their own individual program. Get the iTunes store. Get Google Play store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut our network. We have the DC Nation podcast. Located at dcnation.acrosstheairways.com. Get that's dcnation.acrosstheairway.com, which reviews popular DC comic-related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse Pod, located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com, which reviews Marvel comic-related TV shows and movies. And we also have Throatscast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website throatscast.acrosstheairway.com. Again, that's throatscast.acrosstheairway.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airway podcast, which is accessible at 
and across the airwaves.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory, and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airwaves, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the Mixed Radio State, Code by Jack Dice, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the podcast box. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our app from the Amazon Market, and the Windows Market, and a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listeners feedback on the TV shows we provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at across the airwaves at gmail.com. Again, that's across the airwaves at gmail.com. Comments on our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Got across the airwaves. There's no thought. It's just across the airwaves. Join our circle. Got Google Plus. Go leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-336. Again, that's 773-809-336. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line. If you are sending us listener feedback, once we've got the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to Comic-Con taking place in the, this summer to go along with our Comic-Con. So if you're not joining us for spoilers, then once again for our ATA podcast hosts, Nico Reifstack, Michael J. Petty, and Joshua Mercray, I'm Nikki Amy. I'm Louis Kim. I am the Cookie Monster. Oh, nom, nom, nom. And I'm Steve Zostro. And until our next episode, we'll catch you all in the Marvelverse, and we miss you. You deserve the truth. All of it. Close your eyes. That's not possible. Is he inhuman? Claims he made a deal with the devil. New Marvel's Agents of Shield, Ghost Rider. Next Tuesday, 10, 9 Central, ABC. So what you just heard was the trailer for Season 6 of Episode 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. titled The Good Samaritan, in which Robbie's shocking story on how he became Ghost Rider is finally discovered as Coulson and the, his team's lives hang on this balance on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Dun, 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 dun. It's, uh, I think it's cool how they actually they didn't open the season with Robbie's origin story, and they're kind of like letting us get to know him before we actually um, find out. And I think it like allows us to um, learn more about, like it, we learn about him when they're, we learn about himself, as he learns about himself, you know? Well, yeah, because there's... T- I mean, like, there's so many origin stories. Matter of fact, there's gonna be one coming next week called Doctor Strange. So I've already got my plan up to go up to get on the bus and go see it. So yep. I am ready. Yep, as am I. I'm gonna see it opening night. But yeah, you had to tell Robbie's story in a different way. Honestly, there isn't much to talk about in spoilers for this episode. I mean, we kind of talked it in the main story where we see like the, the shooting that they talked about and the accident they talked about at the tail end of this episode. But honestly, there really isn't much. About I do, I do wonder like um, how much, how bad they uh, um, had to, they damaged the car because I mean they, like I've seen videos about how they had to like really um, dig to find even any um, chargers at all. So I feel like they had to like really be have only one take to like wreck the charger and like wreck it in a way that doesn't that's not too bad and they can fix it easily. Well, well, there's a number of things. There could be like it could be like practical effects. Obviously, the some because like a lot uh, in TV you can use a lot more edits than you could do than you could do in film. 
home because if you do like a lot of quick edits like they, like it's very noticeable in the, on, on a big green footage they kind of get away with it it's the format yeah but still uh, but yeah like it's gonna be interesting I, i'm interested to see like how much um like the origin story borrows from johnny blaze and and uh the other ghost writer i can't remember what his name is off the top of my head but um yeah and just like and how much it actually relates to robbie himself and it's just gonna be an interesting synthesis of all the ghost writer stories i think so to me this will be our most standalone because the yeah. last three episodes have been so story heavy moving this way forward i think we do kind of like no to like you know stop find out more more about our newest character and then go ahead from there because we because we see in this episode that now the director the new director knows about that right yeah but i mean i feel like there's going to be like that kind of parallel running to it but i feel like it's going to be more like episode three or four of luke cage where it was just kind of like mostly flashbacks to figure out what happened but and then um there's like they're going to be the story's going to move forward but not very much in the main present so maybe we'll see. who knows who knows who knows any really? thoughts steve about um around next week yeah um yeah i love origin stories and i'm not really i'm not really uh like i'm not I don't really know that much about Robbie side of the story, so I want to learn more about it. Because, like, cause there is, like, com- some storytelling techniques they use. They could use it from the standpoint of Robbie telling the story, but knowing the kind of character that Robbie is, I don't think he's going to be very forthcoming his origin, so I think they're going to do that. Yeah. Like, flashback, like they yeah. did in the case. That, or, well, obviously, Gabe is going to find out about um, Robbie being who he is, too, so that's yeah. going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and it, it will be. Because I, th- I think, I think, and this is my way of looking at it. The way the way um Robbie talks about becoming the ghostwriter, I think he did that same for life. Yeah, for sure. Like he wouldn't have done yeah. it otherwise. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see who the devil really is as um Robbie saw him. So it's Red Skull. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So um with that, um we will see you guys next week. Excelsior.